Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be working with Akashic objects, or pretty much anything and everything in the Akashics, other than your soul book, which isn't nailed down. I find the human mind infinitely fascinating. The ways in which it makes meaning, filtering out some things and highlighting others, connecting one thing here and another there, skipping over things altogether in favor of something else, all of which builds a rich tapestry the individual uses to experience and understand the world. How people work with objects in the Akashics is one way in which this shows clearly. Like putting an egg in food coloring highlights all the nooks, crannies, and striations in the shell. Working with objects is one of the first things I have students do in my Akashic Level 1 class, in part because it's the easiest way to get message, both visually through the particular object and also via direct communication. The objects merge with us physically through being quote-unquote held, and so can impart information with ease. However, actually working with objects is one of the last things most students do, if they do it at all, in favor of focusing on their soul book where the communication is weightier and the techniques a bit more advanced. I'm always interested in students' descriptions of their first three weeks in the Akashics. This is where they're focused on their personal room and their personal object, learning the difference in being grounded during Akashic work versus not, coming into a deeper relationship with sacred space and how it can be an engine for the work as well as a conduit for the work's manifestation into the world. Some people notice their room has objects in it. Some have no interest in their room at all. Some are so uninterested They skip past the room as quickly as possible in order to reach other areas which feel more relevant and comfortable. This is significant, as the room each student enters at the beginning of the journey is their personal room. Not a space which they decorate with their thoughts or imaginings, but their personal room in the Akashics, furnished with items which represent how they are living their lives in this moment. Some people go to the next space, which may be a room or another building altogether, or a space in the many and various geographical locations of the Akashics, and find their gift. Most find the gift, pick it up, and commune with it in some form, then attempt to understand its symbolic significance. In other words, they want to know, what does this mean? And fair enough. Sometimes the meaning is obvious. Sometimes they are very clear on what it means and what they're supposed to understand from it. Most get one narrow meaning of the symbology and leave it at that. Rarely does anyone ask their animal guide to explain the gift or its meaning to them. Almost no one has, without prompting, actually asked the item to explain itself or to unfold the depths of meaning it provides. Soul books in particular are part of the student's soul, and so immediately activate and seek to work with the reader. 
Working with other books takes a slightly different approach, just as talking with a stranger takes a bit more framework and connection than having a conversation with your best friend. But with either, once they're actively providing information, the format, in most cases, is the same, with interactive 3D imaging or pictures on the left-hand page, and text and searchable data on the right. The pictures can lift into a 3D presentation floating above the opened book, or the reader can allow themselves to go into the picture itself and be part of the presentation. No reader can alter the information being presented, but being there in it provides a great deal more information than just watching. Items in the Akashics are like these pictures. Each one is like a jeweled box full of information, all experiential, all which will unfold like a 3D movie or even like a direct injection into the consciousness if we open up to this level of connection and interaction. To do this, simply place your hands on the item. This includes furniture, curtains, wall hangings, structures like fireplaces, and so on. Hold the item, or place your hands on it, then focus your attention on it like you would someone having a conversation with you. Look the object in the eyes, as it were, to show you're listening. Unlike a soul book where you come to ask a question, or any other informational book where you ask to be able to read the information, an item only requires your attention, which is the Akashic equivalent of saying, Hi, how are you? It's interesting to me how people are resistant to receiving this simpler, more direct, and less impactful means of communicating, which is offered by objects, and instead seek out the more difficult task of reading a soul book with fervor. This is in part because they have questions they want to have answered, but it's also in part because of how we've been taught to expect information to be imparted. Indigenous cultures, which rely on oral transmission of information and direct experience, are comfortable working with objects and seeing the web of connection amongst all things. Literate cultures rely heavily on written information and secondarily on experience, or the experience of others. So books are deemed to have the answers, and objects are just things to have or to use. Items in the Akashics are different than soul books in another way, in that they are not part of the soul of the person, so don't have an innate sense of how much information to impart, nor how fast. Just like any other conversation, sometimes one party talks slowly, sometimes in a convoluted manner, or too fast, or above our head, and so on. Working with items is exactly like a conversation. The student is as much a part of things as the item, not a passive recipient, unless they choose to be. So if things are not quite in sync, they can ask for a change. If they can't understand what's being imparted, it shouldn't be assumed this is for some purpose any more than the confusing directions a friend gives has some underlying meaning. More than likely, the one communicating is simply missing something, or you are and a quick follow-up question will resolve the matter. Sometimes it's easiest for people to work with their gift object because this is the purpose of it, beyond whatever special significance it has for the student. 
The gift is willing and able to help the student learn and remember this style of communication. Holding the object, looking directly at it, and opening yourself to listen will allow it to unfold its message. The longer it's held, the more the student focuses on it, the more information they'll receive. Each student should trust their body and their instincts when working with objects at the beginning. If doing so makes them sleepy or they can't focus for very long, this is perfectly all right. It's their mind, body, and emotions indicating they've taken in as much information as possible at this time. They can work with the object again the next time. Like all work in the Akashics, there is sometimes a need to build up the muscles or adjust to this style of work before it becomes comfortable. Everything about an Akashic object is communication, from the color, to the size, from the place where it's found, to the way in which it was interacting with its surroundings. Beyond this, each object has a wealth of information about itself to impart. For each student, their gift and the objects in the room have additional information about them. Each is there specifically for and about the student. For instance, a fireplace in a room has a great deal to impart just from a visual standpoint. The size, style, condition, and status such as lit or unlit, have meaning. Touching the mantle or the hearth will allow it to start unspooling why it's there. It may be potential for things to come. It may be holding space for things in progress. It's usually about our own well-being and happiness, working with the left side of our manifestation, that which supports us and where we connect with community, love, and relationship. I often recommend to my students they not only visually observe their room each time they enter to note if things have changed, which represents changes they're making within themselves and their embodied life, but to inspect everything. To interact with every single thing in their room. Each individual item can be the focus of a trip to the Akashics, Each has deep wisdom to share, including practical guidance for the path and the daily life of the student. This can be done before, during, and after working with the soul book, as the information is additional and often separate from the questions asked of the soul book. Working with objects is also something which can be done outside the student's room. In the Temple of Life, Each nook is interactive, and all objects in the temple can be held or touched. In some nooks, this can be a bit overwhelming, such as nooks which explore entire solar systems. However, some students find themselves in niches with one figurine or sitting on a bench. It's completely possible and encouraged to touch the bench, the figurine, even the walls, to start a conversation. It can be a revelation to be leaning on a railing overlooking a lower section of the temple and realize information is flooding in. Students complain the information comes, but they don't know from where and can't find anyone other than their animal guide by them. What they don't realize is the information came from the railing, 
or whatever other structure they were leaning against when asking a probing question or expanding their attention outward. The principle works even out in nature in the Akashics. Hedges, garden walls, or barriers of one form or another can divulge their meaning and their wisdom if we're willing to connect with them. Our animal guides are more than willing to help us to interpret difficult concepts or adjust our technique, but rarely do so unless we request it. Often people note things in the landscape, but apply an abbreviated meaning to them without investigation, or simply sort them as irrelevant when focusing on other things. It pays to have the mind of a Sherlock Holmes when working with the Akashics, allowing the things around us to tell us their meaning rather than assuming we already know it. This technique of touching an object to communicate is also very helpful in gleaning wisdom from other rooms and buildings within the Akashic City. Beyond the main general rooms of the Akashic Library are specialty subject matter wings, offices for research, and areas for demonstration and practice of things such as healing techniques. Knowing how to have conversations with objects, allowing them to impart their wisdom, makes these rooms much more accessible and interesting. The Akashics is full of experience, information, and wisdom, which are all applicable to living our best life here. What new nugget will you discover? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing the fact each one of us is a spark of divinity, we're part of how the universe is constantly creating itself, and how we need to see this as our most sacred care. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.